Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined by my regular team of colleagues here for Jobs Friday. This is, uh, what is today? The September, Friday, September 1st. We got the August jobs numbers and we've got uh, Dante D'Antonio. Ooh, I, I botched that, didn't, didn't I? Dante D'Antonio. Hi, Dante. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Good to have you. You're a regular here on Jobs Friday, and we'll get back to you in just a second to get the rundown on the jobs report. And we've got Marissa, Marissa Di Natale. How are you, Marissa? Hi, Mark. I'm good. How are you? You're feeling better? I am. Yeah. Yeah. We were just commiserating over the COVID. Uh, we've all had another bout of it and lost smell and taste. Yeah. Which mm. which um, I was reading is a rare symptom these days. Like in the early days of COVID, it was very prominent. But with these latest variants, I read an article that said only like 5% of people really? are losing smell and taste now. Huh. Well, so I I'm must, in that lucky I must minority. Be the, I must know all the all 5%. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone I'm talking to has lost taste and smell. No? Recently. Recently. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Very recently. Really? Okay. With this recent bout. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like, like I can't, uh, here's my Wawa coffee. This is pumpkin spice. I mean, don't ask me oh. why pumpkin spice. I can't tell if that's pumpkin spice or hazelnut or vanilla or regular. It's just, I can't tell. Yeah. Why bother? Just stick with the regular. I, I got the pumpkin spice because I thought maybe I could taste it. Oh, the thing. <laughs> you keep chasing the flavor, hoping. Yeah, I was thinking maybe the next you know, thing. Give me something really weird so I can yeah. taste it. Yeah. Okay. All right. so that was the logic, but you know. To no end. Um, and of course, there's Chris. Chris Dorides. Chris, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I still can't smell, but. Uh, oh, yeah. you see what I'm telling, saying, right? Yeah. Everyone, yeah, it's really bizarre. Anyway, uh, it wasn't bad, though. I mean, for me, it was like a day or two, like a bad cold, right? Was that the same for you, Marissa? Or... Yeah, there was one day where I had flu symptoms, but it lasted maybe a few hours, really. And then it was just. A yeah. bad cold congestion. I still have a little bit of congestion, but that's been the main symptom. Right. Okay. Well, good. Good to have you back. And thank uh, you, the team. And Dante, let's uh, let's get the rundown. Give us some. Uh, give us the gory details here. And I'm just. Uh, I don't want to pre. You know, influence your thinking, but I thought it was a very good report. So I'm just saying. But, but uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I was, yeah. was going to say. I think it's mostly good news. Uh, okay. you know, at least from from my reading of things. Uh, if anything, the, the top line number, it wasn't strong at 187,000, but maybe a little bit stronger than we expected, given some of the sort of known headwinds that were out there with uh, large business closure and some strike activity going on. So, you know, came in probably a little bit stronger than than we would have thought. But the the details were still fairly weak in terms of revisions to prior months. You know, the combined revision in July and June was 110,000. Uh, so yeah. that brings the the three month yeah downward by 110,000, uh, and that brings the three month average to 150k, which is you know the lowest that it's been, uh, you know since the pandemic recovery started uh, in terms of average monthly job gains. Uh, across industries, you know the weakness was where we would expect it to be given that strike activity and given the the large business closure. So transportation warehousing was down. A little over thirty-four thousand, but you know most of that can be attributed to you know shutting down of of Yellow Corporation, big trucking company. I think it was about thirty thousand jobs that were lost. Uh, information was down again, but again, that's where the uh, you know Hollywood actor strike falls into, and so down fifteen thousand. It's roughly in line with the expected sort of size of that strike, uh, at least the impact for August. Uh, the other 
big negative was in temp help services. And again, that's not a new story. That's been the case for most of the last year at this point. Uh, you know, it's sort of a signal that uh, firm labor demand is is certainly getting pulled back a bit. Firms are, are cutting their need for temp help uh, as they pull back on hiring more broadly. Uh, and then, you know, most other industries were sort of roughly in line with their, where they've been. You know, healthcare continues to be the strongest performer. Manufacturing actually rebounded a little bit this month, came back from a, a small loss last month to post a, a decent gain. Construction keeps holding up sort of in the face of expectations that it might slow down. It's still adding, you know, roughly 20,000 jobs a month. Uh, so across the board, you know, sort of employment, payroll employment wise, I think things looked pretty good um, in line with what we've seen in recent months. Government? We, what happened to government? Uh, government was up a little bit, 8K. It's it's definitely slowed. In the second quarter, it was averaging something around 30,000 jobs a month. And that's come in you know, dramatically here in the last two months. So it's not been nearly as big of a contribution. Uh, wage growth. Just going to say, there's, that's the one sector, big sector that has not even come close to fully recovering the jobs lost during the pandemic. All the other major sectors have recovered and then some. Yeah. And it looked like they were making some inroads there in the second quarter. You know, the story seemed to be that as private sector hiring was starting to cool off as, you know, government was sort of finally starting to catch up a little bit and being able to compete for workers. Um, and that may still be the case, but it seems to have slowed a little bit here over the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also you know some pretty big seasonal adjustment quirk sometimes in the summer mm-hmm. with government payrolls with all the you know education you know hiring rehiring uh so probably wouldn't read too much into that in july and august um earnings was a positive story right it's the weakest gain on a monthly basis uh since back in early 2021 you know year over year hasn't changed much it's still north of four percent but certainly it's a positive sign that that wage growth might continue to come in here uh in the near term uh, and just because someone listening to that from another world would say, "What the what the heck are you talking about? Why is that a good thing?" So, why is that a good thing? Yeah, obviously the Fed's worried that wage growth is still too strong, and yes, you know, there's some pass through effect there to inflation, particularly for you know service inflation. Uh, so, you know, slower wage growth would be a positive in terms of getting inflation sort of that last mile back down to to target. Got it. Uh, the household survey was, I would say, a little bit confusing. The unemployment rate jumped by three tenths of a percent, up to three, you know, three point eight percent. That was mostly because of a huge jump in the size of the labor force. Uh, so, you know, again, it's it's it rose, but really for the reasons that we want it to be rising at this point, it's that the labor force is growing more quickly than we're adding jobs. So that's you know, it's not a negative, even though the unemployment rate went up. Uh, again, that signals some softness in the labor market, but that's actually what we and the Fed want to see at this point. So it's one of those where, you know, sort of bad news is good news. Um, and I think we, you know, expect that to continue to happen here through the the rest of the year where the unemployment rate might creep a little bit higher, you know, close to or even slightly above 4% by the end of the year. Uh, when you say um, uh, mostly because of an increase in the labor force, the unemployment rate jumped 3.5 to 3.8%, mostly it it looked like it was all labor force growth, right? Because employment, household employment, employment as measured by the household survey also increased pretty solidly, I think, right? Yeah, it was up by about the same as the the payroll yeah, survey. It was, I think it was about 200K. So yeah, I mean, I would, right. It's probably almost entirely from that increase yeah. in labor force because we right. still had job growth in the household survey. And the participation rate 
jump, fi- right? Finally moved. Yeah. I mean, it had been stuck yeah. at uh, 62.6%, I believe, for five or six months. Uh, and then it, it jumped up to 62.8%, which is the highest it's been this cycle. Still a little bit below the you know February 2020 mark, which you know, I don't think there's any expectation that we get back to given aging of baby boomers, but you know, certainly a, a marked improvement there. Um, other participation measures, employment to population ratio, there wasn't a whole lot of change, particularly for prime age workers. They're, those measures are already high. They're at you know sort of at cycle highs, close to historic highs. So you know, there's not an expectation that those participation measures are going to move a whole lot higher at this point, but certainly nothing negative to read on that side of things. Anything else? Anything else you want to point to? I mean, uh, any, um, any anything you would consider to be a a real blemish then, except the revisions, I guess. So even that though, we're kind of looking for slower job growth. So that you know is not such a bad thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I view the the downward revisions as a positive, right? I mean, we want job growth to be you know closer to a hundred thousand than two hundred thousand at this point. I think if if we're going to get some additional softening in the labor market. So I think that's a positive. Anything, I think the headline number is the negative maybe being a little bit stronger than you'd want it to be, given that you know, sort of the business closure and strike activity should have shaved about 50,000 off of that headline number. Yeah. So if if you add that back, you're at, you know, whatever, 235,000, which feels a little bit strong. But yeah, you know, I think we'll talk about later. August tends to have some some quirkiness in terms of its reliability. And that may be revised given the revisions we're getting here. They're consistently down. So this may get revised. It wouldn't be surprising if this got revised down. Right. So yeah, it's not a huge concern to me that that number is a little bit strong at this point because, you know, it may very well change. Okay. So uh, that's a great rundown. Uh, Broadly speaking, how do you feel about the report? Uh, Is it good, bad? You know, how should someone out there interpret this? I say good. I mean, I don't, yeah, the, the faults are very minimal, if any. So I, I view and I, you know, for Dante to say it as plainly as that without the qualifiers and everything else, like which, you know, because he's such a careful economist, unlike me, that's saying something. He said, I think it's good. I, I heard him say that. Did you hear him say that, Chris? I, I sure think, did. I sure did. did. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. On record. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, good. Um, Marissa, let me turn to you then. And uh, any gaps there in uh, the rundown? Anything else you want to point out? And how do you how do you characterize the report? I would agree that it's good, and I think it's it's pretty much in line with expectations. So there's nothing shocking here. Um, it's a continuation of the slowing that we've seen for the last few months. That's corroborated by other reads on the labor market from other surveys that we got this week and over the past couple of weeks. Um, As Dante said, if you add in the actor's strike and you add in the bankruptcy and trucking, you'd get about 230K, which is a bit stronger than we were expecting. Um, But that's still below the three-month moving average we had previously seen. The revisions were substantial and downward. That seems to be a trend. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything concerning. Um, it's kind of in line with, with what we want to see, I think. Yeah. Okay. And the 3.8%, you know, it feels like we've gotten a couple months here recently where we get these big moves and and then, 
it kind of comes back into yeah. two and a half percent. Because uh, obviously this growth in the labor force, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like seven, eight hundred thousand. It was like seven hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean, right. obviously that's not reality. That's not what right. actually happened. So uh, uh, it, it stands to reason next month you'll get things moving back back in again. I, I'm not sure it's going to stay at three eight, but uh, but it does feel like the labor market is easing up. Uh, okay, so you're in the camp that this was a good report. Yeah. Could could I stretch it and say it was a very good report? I'm just a, I'm just asking. I'm just yeah. <laughs> sure. Is there any qualifiers yeah, you, you want to put on the good? Uh, just good. I think it's good. I think there's good. a good chance. Good with, I think with there's a good chance the that it gets goo. revised. Good. Go, go ahead. Sorry, I'm I'm sorry. I'm playing. I was just saying. I think there's a good chance this gets a substantial revision in subsequent months. So I don't want to hang too much on this one report. But yeah, I think it's a very a very good report. Oh, okay. Good, very good. Now we go to Chris. <laughs> Here we go. Chris, any gaps in the, the rundown? Anything, any uh, detail you want to add? And again, what's your broad characterization of the report? Yeah, I wouldn't add uh, anything necessary. I think uh, Dante Marissa did a great job highlighting everything. The one area I would focus on is the revisions. I think we said that a couple of times and the I mean, the size of their visions are substantial here, right? June job growth went from 185,000 to 105,000. That's 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 pretty big. And that's actually more consistent with my script. <laughs> so I think the revised data is important to, to watch because it, it does suggest this labor market hasn't been as strong, perhaps, as originally reported. So I'm a little suspicious of the top line number this month as well, right? That 187, I think traditionally or maybe over the last decade, August has actually been revised upward typically, but this might break the streak. We might actually see a downward revision given what's happened recently. So a little, I put an asterisk uh, on that headline number there, but um, yeah, overall, I think this matches with the Fed's uh, objective of seeing a slowing, but not uh, falling apart uh, labor, labor market. here. Okay. So good, very good. What would you say? Good, good. Good, good. Okay, good report. Two goods, yeah. Yeah, two goods. Two goods and a very good. Okay. Uh, the one statistic you, you didn't mention in the rundown was hours work per week, I, which I think we need to start watching more yeah. carefully because it feels like businesses are, you know, they may not be laying off workers, but if, if they have some weakness in their sales, they are adjusting by scaling back temp help. So we are, as Dante, you pointed out, the number of people in the temp help industry continues to steadily decline, but they're also uh, uh, calibrating the hours work per week. And that actually ticked up a little bit. It had it, it fallen the month before back in July. Now it's back up again, but it's very consistent where it has been, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, in, in that very good uh, labor market pre-pandemic, but that kind of adds a little bit more to the strength of demand, right? It's, it's the jobs, the 185, uh, even if they do get revised down, and but you get a little bit of juice from the uh, from the hours work. Um, yeah, I I look at that report and I go that I mean that is like you you, you couldn't write a better report. You know, if, if you were at the Federal Reserve or you were the administration, right? This is yeah, it's slowing, but that's exactly what you wanted to see, and it's coming in. Even if we're even if the underlying job growth is 100k. That's okay. That's kind of sort of where you want it to be, given underlying labor force growth 
I mean, labor force growth has all has been much stronger than that, but we're getting to a place where I think that labor force growth is going to slow, just given demographics, participation rates aren't going to keep on rising. And uh, we are going to see much slower labor force growth going forward, something that is closer to 100K, maybe even a little south of 100K. And so we do need to see you know job growth kind of modulate back into that. And it feels like it's, that's exactly what's happening here. So I'd go with the... I'd go with a very good, um, you know, good, good, very good, very good. I mean, it was a very good report. I am hard pressed to, you know, find a blemish. The one thing that I, I will point out, and I think Chris, you're kind of alluding to this, is, you know, as your soft, as the economy is starting to slow, the concern you have is, and it's a, it's a you know, kind of, I think it's just intuitive concern is. Well, is it going to slow and then stop slowing, or is it going to slow, continue to slow and start turning negative? Right? I mean, that's kind of sort of the worry. It's like if you're using the soft landing met- metaphor, you know, the plane's coming into the tarmac, but as it's coming in, you're going, ah, oh, is it is is it actually going to soft land, or is it going to is it going to you know slide off the runway here? So, uh, but I think that's that's just a natural kind of uh, concern that you would have as this process is unfolding. It, it doesn't say anything about actually what is happening. It's just, you know, your you know, inherent concern that, you know, maybe this thing isn't going to throttle back as gracefully as we think it is. Is that, did I kind of characterize that correctly? Your, your thinking, Chris, or your, your sentence? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I mean, the economy is not typically a plane. We usually do have some cyclical, right? We overshoot a bit yeah. and yeah. then undershoot. Right. So, right. You know, I expect that, but, uh, yeah, I think you're as you get closer and closer, the risks of uh, something else going wrong certainly. Right, and I guess the, I guess the way to add that metaphor to express what you just or I think what you're saying is okay. You're coming in for a landing, and uh, that's when the plane is most vulnerable to a big gust of wind coming along and yeah. shoves you to the side of the runway. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, have you ever had the bounce? Yeah, so yeah, kind of, right. yeah. Sometimes yeah. it oh, <laughs> yeah. I may maybe the soft landing metaphor isn't a good, one, or maybe it is, but we should use a rocket ship, like a you know one of those Starlinks, Tesla, you know, what do they call it? SpaceX, SpaceX ships that are coming. They they the the, the, the they fired off the satellite. Now the the rocket engine's coming back down to the platform, and is and I'm saying this because I'm in Florida and I just saw a, a, a rocket launch. Oh, and they have a camera on the. Uh, on the the in the, the the whatever it is the the rocket so that comes back and lands you know on a platform in in the ocean, and so you can see it coming in and it's kind of like it, as it's coming in you're going oh please don't crash, <laughs> and, and that's when you are vulnerable to something going wrong you know because you are you know uh, exposed you know to whatever could go wrong, that's kind of sort of what you're saying yeah right yeah yeah exactly. Okay, let's uh, let's take a little bit of a diversion and uh, go into the weeds a little bit. Uh, a lot of technical things going on that we've already talked a little bit about, but I want to go into them in a little bit more detail. And for the for the listeners, you know, if you, if you are uncomfortable with you know going down into the DNA of this stuff, you, you could tune out for a little bit. But yeah, I think it's important. And we've mentioned these revisions a, a few times. So Dante, or maybe Marissa, I'll go to you. Maybe you can explain. Uh, these revisions. There's different kinds of revisions. These monthly revisions. There's the benchmark revisions, and actually, we got a read on that 
uh, coming as well. So can you just and give us a sense of, of what these things, what these revisions are, why they happen, and and you know why are we seeing, in your view, why are we seeing these so-called downward revisions right now? Yeah, I'll try to do this in a way that makes sense. Um, so this uh, from the payroll survey, it is a survey that the government is sending surveys out to businesses. They ask businesses to respond by a certain date. Not all of those businesses do respond by a certain date. So in the first month that they're producing a statistic, like this past month for, um, you know, the, the August report, right, they only get, I think, Dante, I don't know what the number was. It was like 60% of the respondents come back to them with their count of payrolls. And that's pretty typical. It's somewhere between 50 and 70%, say, the first time they send out the survey. They keep collecting responses, though, for another two months after the initial survey. So what will happen is that next month, when we get the jobs data for September, they will have more responses in from the August survey, and they'll revise that August number again. And then they'll do it again the following month. So every time they produce a payroll statistic, they revise it in the subsequent two months after that as they get more responses in. So that by the the sort of quote unquote final response two months after the fact, they have about 90% of businesses responding. So it's a firmer number. Then every single year, they benchmark, this is the benchmark revisions you were alluding to, they take the payroll survey of businesses and they benchmark that to actual unemployment insurance records where something like 90% of businesses, pretty much every private sector and government business other than railroad workers have to pay into the unemployment insurance federal system. So they have a very hard count of employees that they get once a month and they benchmark that every single year. They do it with the release of the January employment data uh, that comes out in February. And they give us a sneak peek of this every year. And they did that last month. And they told us that um, the the data for March of 2023 looks like it's going to be revised down by about 300,000 employees. I think it's 400,000, right, Dante? I think it's I think, 400. I think it was closer to 300,000. Oh, was it? I'm yeah. wrong. Okay. I, I mean, I was forecasted 400. 000. You forecasted 400,000. <laughs> yeah. okay. You wanted it to be 400,000. <laughs> okay. It's 300,000. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So it's, it's somewhere between three and 400,000, yeah, yeah, right, 300 something thousand lower than what the establishment survey, the payroll survey is actually um, telling us. So the BLS will go back and they will revise the historical data to reflect that benchmark revision. So what it's looking like is that the data between basically March of 2022 and March of 2023 is probably going to show something like 25,000 fewer employees on the payrolls in every month in that year. So two revisions happen after the initial release of the data. That's just because of more survey responses. And then once a year, BLS does kind of a hard benchmarking of the survey data to actual unemployment insurance claims. And 
I mean, you can really dig into the revisions and look at how they've trended in the business cycle. There are certain industries we know that are more difficult to count employees. Like one we always look at is construction, right? Because there's a lot of people that come off and on payrolls very frequently. There are undocumented workers. There's all kinds of things going on in the construction industry that makes it historically difficult to give a hard count of employment in that industry. So that's an industry that typically gets a large revision a lot of the time. Um, and and there's other industries where there's strange things going on, like ironically, government is one that typically gets a very large hmm. revision, even though it is a government survey. The government is notoriously bad at sending in their survey responses. So that a lot of times gets um, big revisions. And and sometimes you see larger revisions at the turn of a business cycle too, because there are businesses opening and closing at a faster rate. And that becomes more difficult to capture in a survey environment. So, so these revisions that we're getting have been now on a monthly basis, consistently down so they're lowering the the bls is lowering the uh, job the gain uh, that is occurring in the month and we also got this this uh, a, a read on this so-called benchmark revision that will be released at the start of next year and that benchmark is for march of 23 and that's that's also downwardly revised so that'll be in the data uh with the january job report released in february yeah. So w- when you add this all up, it feels like job growth probably is actually even a little bit softer than the current data would suggest. Would you concur? That's right. That? So yeah. it's probably, you know, closer to it's certainly sub 200,000 a month, somewhere between probably 150 and 175,000 a month. Yeah. Okay. That's where you put underlying job growth right yeah. now. 150 yeah. 175. Okay. Okay. Um, very good. Dante, the response rates, uh, you know, I, I, historically I have in my mind that August is always a squirrely month. Uh, you know, we've had some, it seems to me the jobs numbers generally are pretty close to expectations, give or take, except for one, two or three times every year, you get this kind of off the wall, where did that come from kind of number. And often that is the August number, because I think it the response rates are even lower than typical. Is that the case this go around? Do you know? Uh, do you have any sense of that? Yeah. So the August response rates, at least for the you know, first release of data, tend to be you know sort of lower on average than other months. And and for this month, it was actually exceedingly low. It was just under sixty percent. Oh, okay. that's the lowest in August since I think two thousand and six. So even in a month where a response tends to be a little bit low, it was you know sort of very very low. Um. Yeah, as you mentioned, August tends to historically, if you go back to 2000 and you exclude 2020 for obvious reasons, August has the highest average absolute difference uh, in terms of revisions out of any month of the year. And that's in part not necessarily because the revisions are sort of large all the time, but it's that they're, they were almost always in the same direction for the last 20 years, right? August, I think, in, you know, 17 out of 20 years was revised higher and not lower. And so that yeah. gives you that big absolute difference. Whereas in most of the other months, you get a more closely even split between revisions that go up and revisions that go down. Um, so you'll have this. I'm curious to see what happens because you have this sort of yeah. uh, converging trends here where August almost always gets revised higher. But we've seen you know almost every month get revised lower this year. So it'd be interesting to right. see what happens over the next couple of months. Right. 
Right. In the house, this is what we've been talking about, the payroll survey. That's the <laughs> survey of businesses. The household survey, which is used to calculate unemployment uh, participation, labor force growth, that kind of thing, that, that does not get revised. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. You, you, you can get some revisions because of seasonal adjustment because the Bureau of Labor Statistics seasonally adjusts the day because they have to because the labor market is very seasonal and they'll adjust those seasonal factors, correct? And so you could see some changes, but it's it, they don't have these kind of revisions we're talking about that we're having with the payroll survey. Do I have that right? Right. They don't introduce new sample. Yeah, you know, once the the you know, the sample they get at the initial release is the sample that they use. They don't add any more respondents as months go on, like they do on the payroll survey. Okay. So Marissa is thinking, you know, given her all her expertise, you're a former BLS economist. Uh, your sense is that let's call it underlying job growth, abstracting from the vagaries of the data, you know, the revisions and all the seasonal adjustment and timing and all the things that can affect the actual number for a month. Your sense is that underlying job growth, monthly job growth is about 150 to 175 K. That's Marissa's view. Dante, what do you think? I think that's fair. I mean, I might even go a shade lower than that, but I think, yeah, I'm in that same ballpark. Yeah. And Chris, yeah, that, that's my uh, lower end as well. Probably closer to 150, but yeah, sounds like yeah. a reasonable estimate. Yeah, I'd say 125 to 150. I, I think in that ballpark, including the benchmark revisions that are going to come in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And just for context, again, you know, once the labor force actually settles down to something consistent with underlying demographics, and it's, and it's we've seen a lot of labor force growth because the pandemic really messed things up and, you know, still kind of normalizing, you know, because of that shock. But once we get to the other side of the shock and it feels like we're, we're getting there here, that labor force growth would be somewhere between 50 and 100K per month. So you would think that job growth has to get into that ballpark of 50 to 100K on a consistent basis to ensure that the labor market doesn't get overly tight. Yeah. Okay. Everyone kind of sort of agree with that. That, that those heuristics, those kind of rules of thumb. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Very good. Let me, uh, let me ask a, another set of questions uh, before we play the game, the statistics game. And that is, um, you know, what one or two or three measures are you looking at in the labor market or elsewhere to gauge, um, you know, if, if things are moving in the right direction here uh, in, in the sense that, you know, we are, going to continue to see positive job creation consistent with a non-recessionary economy, but slow enough uh, job growth that uh, and wage growth so that inflation continues to moderate, goes back to the Fed's target, and the Fed doesn't need to raise interest rates anymore. So what kind of, what indicators are you looking at to kind of, to try to gauge whether that, that kind of script is being written here? Uh, Chris, maybe I'll go to you first on that. Do you have any one or two or three favorite measures that you're looking at? Yeah. So the top of the list would be earnings, right? So some, whether it's average hourly earnings in this report or the ECI uh, employment cost index, we think is a, has a, a better measure of that uh, earnings growth. So controls for the, um, the population itself. We're looking at the same workers over time. Um, I think that's key to the, uh, the Fed's decision at the end of the day, right? That that's what's driving or potentially driving the service sector inflation that they're worried about. So that'd be my number one. Mm. Uh, the employment, I, I think the hours worked, right? I mentioned earlier that 
that's certainly mm-hmm. an important one as well. That's probably the first place where you where you would see businesses making their adjustments. And maybe we can measure that a bit better than uh, than the overall um, labor market numbers or the payroll numbers uh, themselves. And I do look at the um, the indices, right? The BLS produces these aggregate payroll and aggregate hour hours worked indices. I found this useful as well to gauge how strong the labor market is. I'm sorry, what was that last, last set of? What was last yeah, there uh, these uh, aggregate uh, indices of uh, of payrolls and hours worked? Oh, you mean like a total aggregate hours worked? Correct. That's right. Oh, I see. That's yeah, right. I, I didn't even look at that. Did you look at it this month? I did. It's kind of consistent. Consistent. Uh, okay. With okay. some positive growth, but not overly excessive either. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Dante, what, what one or two or three measures are you looking at? Yeah. I mean, I think, Chris, I think, you yeah, know, the earnings measure is, is obviously important right now. I think, you know, for me, UI claims are still towards the top of the list, even though they've been sort of uninteresting lately and that they haven't moved a whole lot, which is good in this context. But I still think, you know, we're talking about this you know, either a rocket ship or plane landing or whatever metaphor you want to use. You know, I think it's easier to imagine a world where we get that soft landing if layoffs stay pretty steady, right? And you just have this sort of slow reduction in hiring that's causing job growth to slow. If you've got hiring getting pulled back and layoffs going up at the same time, I think that obviously makes that soft landing more complicated. You know, it's much more likely that you tip into job losses in that environment. So you know, if we continue to see claims or pick your other measure of layoffs, you know, the challenger report, whatever it may be, if we continue to see those sort of hold steady and, and layoffs not increase in any material way, I think it, you know, dramatically increases the likelihood that we can see that, you know, sort of steady slowing of job growth and not, you know, a crash. And UI unemployment insurance claims. So every week uh, we get data from, from uh, the labor department on initial claims for unemployment insurance. So that's a read on people losing their jobs saying, hey, help me out. And I think last week, what was it, 225, 230, something 228, like that? yep. Right 228. There. And do, do, do you have a rule of thumb there in terms of what's good and what's bad? I mean, if we start to get north of 250 on a consistent basis, I would start to get a little bit worried. There, you know, There's always week-to-week volatility. You know, so if you get you know, one week that's at 260, that's not a whole lot to worry about. But if you start to get... You know the four-week moving average north of 250. If you, you know, get consistent readings that are starting to move that high, I would start to get a little concerned. Again, that's not you know full-blown recessionary territory by any means, but I think given how consistently they've been at you know roughly 225, 230, mm-hmm. 235 for a couple of months now, I think if you got you know sort of that uptick on a sustained basis, it would catch my attention. Yeah. Okay. So 200 is really really low. That's kind of sort of where we were before the tech layoffs back. Uh, they started late last year. They've abated now. Uh, they, we saw a rash of tech layoffs late last year, early this, and they're, they're gone. We were, but we were at, and I think seasonal adjustment issues probably played something of a role. We were probably at 200K. We're now like at 225. And you're saying if you get north of 250 on a consistent basis, then yellow flares start to go off. If it's, I'll, I'm putting words in your mouth, but 275, 300, you're saying, okay, I got a problem. That, that's a problem. That's yeah, a, that's the same with negative job. That's losing jobs at that point. Right. I think, yeah, if you get up that high, that would right, signal that we're probably going to see you know, negative prints you know, on the payroll employment report. So yeah, that would be bad. We're losing jobs. Okay. So UI claims. Okay. Marissa, what about you? Do you have any one or two, three indicators you look at to gauge whether we're sticking to script here or not? 
Yeah, the same as Dante and Chris. So I won't repeat them. I'm looking at wage growth. I'm looking at the labor force too, to see if that continues to, to grow month after month, which it has remarkably. There's still supply out there clearly. Um, But the other thing I noted in this report that I didn't mention before was the diffusion index in the payroll Mm. survey. Gains were very broad based across industries. So there's been a lot of talk about could you have recessions in certain industries of the economy? Could you have sort of a rolling recession where there are industries that are losing jobs? And we've seen weakness in some industries um, over the past year or so, but the breadth of job growth was quite wide this past month. In the private sector, it was almost two-thirds of industries were either adding to payrolls or or holding them steady. So there's nothing red flag like there either. We don't we don't see industries that are shedding, you know, tens of thousands of workers month after month. And that's a good sign as well. So things are just kind of slowing in a broad-based way, but nothing alarming coming out of any one or two industries, really. That's a great point. Uh, and uh, sort of adding to that, going back to job growth in construction and manufacturing, those are the two most rate-sensitive sectors yeah. by orders of magnitude. And if you're going to see a recession, you, you've got to see job loss in those two sectors, right? Right. It, it the mo- actually, the most interesting thing, one of the most interesting things is we're getting a slowing, kind of a graceful slowing in job growth. And those two sectors are still adding to payrolls on a pretty consistent basis, right? I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, you can dig into some of the manufacturing detail and see some um, some sub-industries that have sort of wavered from month to month, but nothing extremely concerning. The housing market, obviously, the residential side of construction is not doing great given high interest rates, but we're not seeing massive layoffs in the construction industry. There's plenty of non-residential work to be done. There's plenty of remodeling and infrastructure work, public work. So um, it's being made up for in other in other areas. Yeah, so if, if I had to pick a, a few indicators to gauge where the wrong script, the one I would uh, focus on a lot. A lot of it would come from the Jolts report, the Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey report. Even though it's 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 got its problems, it's a it's a month lag. It's uh, talk about response rates. I think the response rates to the Jolts are low, so you have to take that in consideration. But it's such a nice report because it, it kind of gives you a sense of the underlying dynamics in the labor market. And and key there is the quit rate, right? That that actually is really critical to the wage growth that you. You yeah. guys identified as indicators you watch because if you have high quit rates, if people are quitting their jobs at a high rate, that tends to push up measured wage growth because when people switch jobs, that's when they get the biggest pay increases. And so if you go back a year, year and a half ago when the quit rate was very high, that's when the wage growth was at its uh, peak. Now the quit rate, according to the last jolts uh, uh, numbers, is is really all the way back to where it was pre-pandemic. So it's completely normalized. And that would be consistent with, you know, getting wage growth back in, into something that's, you know, in the bottom, more consistent with the Fed's 2% inflation target. So I think that's really important to watch, you know, uh, a good indicator. Dante mentioned UI claims as a window into layoffs, but there's actual counts of layoffs in the JOLTS numbers. Again, a month lag is not as timely as the UI claims, but that remains... You know, it's pushed up a little bit from the bottom, like UI claims, but it remains very low, below 
pre-pandemic levels. And I think that's really critical. It's the layoffs that that, that cause recessions, right? Because when you have layoffs, I think Dante, you mentioned this just to reiterate, that's what spooks people, uh, consumers, they pull back on their spending and uh, you get that kind of self-reinforcing vicious cycle called a recession. So if you don't have the layoffs, very difficult to see how you get, uh, you know, a, a, a recession. So we've got, you know, those two those two measures give you a read on, you know, the strength of the economy broadly and recession risk. And the other gives you a sense of in wage and price pressures. And they both are pointing in the right direction here. And then just to round it out, I do think it is important to watch the hiring rate. That's the the the, the, the it looks like the key reason why job growth is slowing is because. Uh, businesses are just hiring at a, at a slower rate and the hiring rate is completely normalized back to pre-pandemic levels. The last measure in there that people were all apoplectic about, you know, uh, you don't hear much hand-wringing anymore recently is the number of open job positions. That was incredibly elevated a year ago, year and a half ago. It's come in quite dramatically. In fact, last the last report, it came in very sharply. I tend to put less weight on that just because, you know, very difficult to measure and I do think businesses are managing their open positions very differently today than they have historically because it's just it's costless to have an open position. So, um, you know, I, I, I place less weight on it, but certainly uh, something to watch. So if you watch those kind of the uh, jolt, that jolts data that gives you a really good internal sense of the labor market, they all feel like they're, you know, kind of sort of move, if they're not in the right place, they're kind of moving in the right direction very quickly. Uh, any reaction to that? You agree, disagree? What do you think? Dante? Yeah, I agree. I, I avoided mentioning the quits rate because I was going to use it for my stat. So you, oh, you, sorry you, about knew that. It. I knew it. Yeah, I think it's you know, also my statistic. You, oh, I was no. going to say, you know, when we when yeah. we do our you know sort of real-time forecast of the employment cost index, yeah. you know, the, the quit rate is it. Yeah, you know, that's basically what gives that's you it. the measure. Yeah. You know, on a one or two quarter lag, the quit rate is you know almost you know hundred percent in predicting what wage growth will be. So the fact that it oh, is continuing wow. to come down, you know, signals that we're going to get weaker readings on the ECI and, you know, things are, are moving in the right direction with, you know, almost certainty, I think so. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize the correlations were that high. That's, yeah, it's very strong. I think it's the only thing we, there's, yeah, that's, that's the only variable we use when we look at ECI. Oh, sorry about that. I, sorry. I didn't, okay. Yeah. But it sounds like Marissa was going to say the same statistic. So I'm glad I took it away. Well, from it, it goes to the importance of those statistics. Yeah. Right? That's the point. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Uh, hey, Chris, before we go to the stats game, uh, what, how's the market react? The markets react, the bond the stock market reacting to all this. Do you, do you have a sense of that? Yeah, I, I, as, as seems usual these days, there was a little bit, little bit of a whipsaw in the reaction. First, the um, uh, interest rates went down on the 10 year, then they, they've crept back up. So pretty flat. I think this is mm-hmm. largely in line with expectations. Mm-hmm. I look at the FOMC uh, FedWatch tool. Um, to see how market expects the uh, the Fed to react, and that now is pretty firmly in the hold camp that the Fed will not increase rates or decrease rates potentially at, at the September meeting. Um, I think November is still maybe on the table. December a little bit more split, but the consensus still seems uh, more aligned with this is it. We're we're holding here throughout much of 2024 before the first cut comes. So. But we'll see. There's still, of course, lots of script to be written, but the immediate reaction seems to be this uh, report is in line with uh, the Fed pausing here. Okay. Or Perfect. continuing to pause. Perfect. Okay. So the market says 
a good report. Yeah. Ordering on not quite very good, but good. 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 Okay. Good, good reports. Good. Okay. Feels like that should be somehow the title of this podcast. Uh, 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 we'll come back to that. Uh, yeah. okay. Good, maybe great. <laughs> good, maybe great. <laughs> good, maybe very good. You know, something like that. Hey, Marissa. Uh, let's, we're going to play the game, statistics game. You're you're going to go first, and of course, the game is we put forward a statistic. Uh, the rest of us try to figure that out through questions, deductive reasoning, and clues. Best uh, stat is one that's not so easy. We get it immediately, which is actually getting harder to do these yeah, days. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be an easy one. Yeah, well, now now we'll never get it because that's the other thing. <laughs> we want to be too no, hard. You'll get it, and it, you want it to be apropos to the topic at hand or a recent release. So what's your statistic, Marissa? 3.7%. 3.7%. Is, it is that a demographic uh, yeah. unemployment rate? No. Is that from Jolts? Yeah. I think that's uh, the, the hires rate, isn't it? It is. It's the hires rate. Yeah. I was going to go with the quits rate, but we talked about that. <laughs> I was going to go with the diffusion index. I talked about that. So I ran out of things to be really interesting. It's the hires rate that you mentioned, 3.7%. It's the lowest, this is the lowest hires rate since April of 2020. So it's basically back to pre-pandemic levels now. And the quits rate was going to be my first statistic. That's 2.3%. And that's the lowest since January of 2021. So, you know, sort of coming out of the depths of the pandemic there too. So these things are all coming back to earth, coming back to normal. Um, the quits rate, as Dante said, is key to wage growth because that's when wages change is when people change jobs, right? Most people don't see a change in their wage unless they take a new job. So that's really critical to getting wage growth down. Um, so the jolts rate, the, the jolts data, as you mentioned, is a little bit fraught because response rates are down to like a third month mm. after month. The sampling error is very, very high on these now, but nevertheless, if you look at the rates and you look over a period of time, they're, they're coming back to, to earth. And just to, uh, make clear the quit rate is the, in the numerators, the number of people quitting their job denominator is the labor force. Is that right? Denomin no, the 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 denominator is the number of people on payrolls during during the course of the month. Oh, 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 because it is it, it comes from the, the payroll. Survey. It's an establishment, establishment survey. survey. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Um, okay. And the hiring rate is the enumerated number of people hired. In yeah, the it's a cumulative number of people hired over the course of a month as and a it, share of a uh, company's payrolls. Quit rate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, very good. That was good. Uh, Dante, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deep in the weeds here, I think. Uh, Mike, oh. yeah, first, first three were off the table, so uh, 106.1. 6.1? 106.1. That's Mark's favorite radio station. <laughs> <laughs> was that like an old fogey? I don't know. <laughs> that, uh, classic rock, classic yeah. rock, zero yeah. beach. Yeah, Led Zeppelin and uh, <laughs> Queen and yeah, uh, those are those are those are classics though. I'm 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 actually proud to be a 106.1 listener. Okay, <laughs> a fictional 106.1. <laughs> the fictional 106.1. Yeah. Uh, 
Is that an index? It is an index, yeah. Is it? It's not the aggregate hours worked index. It's not. Uh, but it is it in the it's an employment report. It's not. No. I oh, to, okay. I had to go, oh, had to go okay. way off script here. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Now. Okay. That is um, that is a little bit. Uh, yeah. Oh, is it from the ISM? I don't think so. It's not. That would have oh, been really I, mean because that came out yeah. just before we we got. Yeah. On. I, did <laughs> not, I did not do that. It's earlier not this week. Home sales or something like that. Is it? No, I'm not Chris. I didn't, you know, I didn't yeah, bring up the housing yeah, market yeah, on yeah. Jobs Friday. It's labor market related. It oh, is. Oh, it is. Well, mm. oh, is it from the conference board survey? Is it, it is, yeah. Confi- oh. oh, it's the um oh, is it the actual that's the survey? Isn't that the overall the number? It's the aggregate. Right. I gave you the headline. That the point I want to make yeah. is more in the yeah. weeds, but I, I didn't want you to get too mad at me. Because uh, I, I no. was thinking labor market, I think <laughs> jobs easy, jobs hard to get, right? That that's actually where I was going. Yeah, the the labor market differential within the conference board survey. So the difference between you know people who think that jobs are plentiful and people who think that jobs are hard to get. That differential has come in quite a bit uh, in recent months. I think that's you know part of the reason for the headline decline in that consumer confidence measure. Um, and I just you know it's another sign that sort of points in alignment with what we see in jolts that you know job openings are coming in, hiring is slowing. You know, there's still a lot of opportunities, but fewer opportunities than there were six months or a year ago. Um, so I think it's yeah, just another sort of notch in that argument that things are definitely tightening up a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. It does feel like, so the conference board survey is a really good survey in that, particularly in terms of gauging the unemployment rate, right? Because you they ask a question, are jobs easy or hard to get? And then they uh, take the difference between the two, the percentages that response to the two. And that gap is a pretty good, leading indicator of unemployment uh, for the month. And that did show that unemployment was going to rise. So I think it was easy to say that unemployment rate was going to rise this month, but the 3.8 was more than anticipated. But directionally, we knew it it felt like it was going to rise. It does feel like to me, things are slowing a little bit more than, you know, things seem like they're rip roaring. And now they do seem like everything is easing up here pretty quickly. Back to Chris's angst about about this. It does feel like things are really starting to cool off. And that conference board survey is a good good example of that. If you look at the switch from July survey results to the August survey results, they felt like there was something pretty significant shift there. I mean, I don't want to overstate the case because 106 is kind of back where it was three months ago. So I don't want to right. and, and and of course a lot of it's related to gasoline prices and get they're back up again and you know that plays a big role in these conference, uh, these uh, confidence measures. But nonetheless, it did feel that felt softer than I expected. Yeah, and I think yeah, to Chris's point earlier too, I think just given the size of how big revisions have been across lots of data lately, but particularly with payroll employment, I think it puts you a little bit more on edge when you start to yeah. get those lower readings because who knows what yeah. it'll look like in two months. You know, so yeah, all these things though add up to basically just to, to make the obvious point. No more Fed rate hikes, please. I mean, come on. Yeah. Although the one counter to all of this, I'm going to throw it out there because this is your, and hopefully I'm not taking anyone's statistic, but that tracking estimate for Q3 GDP growth, what is it? It's like, it's strong, right? It's yep. not it's four, uh, four four point, 4.9, yeah. Oh, wow. After so, the big spending number yesterday. And, and ultimately, G, it feels like GDP growth leads job growth by about a quarter or two. So this this job growth we're seeing now reflects you know kind of the first half kind of GDP growth which was two percent, and that Q three number is coming in 
I, I suspect right, as we get more data here, this thing will come, the, the tracking estimate will come down. But I mean, it's held up a lot better than I would have thought up to this point. Well, and the Atlanta Fed number is even higher than that. It, you know, it was yeah. up five nine and came down a little bit, but it's still it's north of five percent still. Which, you know. but still early on in the quarter, given the data flow, right? We still have gotten. We're all we're getting right now. All the data we've gotten is for the month of uh, July. Really, we haven't gotten correct. Yeah, we're just getting July data in. Yeah, yeah, right. So in July, it looks like it was a very strong month, but uh, August weaker. Uh, okay, uh, very good, uh, Chris. You want to go next? Sure. My number is not labor market related. Okay. I'll, I'll lay that out. Housing right related? Front. What's that? Housing? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. And I'm going to give a shout out to a, a listener. This is a, Ooh. it was suggested by a listener, James. That's I unfair. Use, I won't <laughs> use the last name to affect the innocent, but it was a good number. Uh, minus 1.2%. It's not labor market related. No. It's is housing it? related. It is. Did it come out this week? It did. And there are actually two housing-related numbers that were minus 1.2%. So I'll give you credit for either, either one. Is it a house price measure? One of them is. One of them. What do you mean one of them? Well, one of, two. like I said, there are two statistics that were yeah. minus 1.2. Oh. Okay. The one I'm thinking of is not the house price, but you. Oh, I think I'll, the, I'll give you credit. I think the S&P Shiller was down 1.2% year over year, wasn't That's it? That's correct. So I'll give you okay. partial you cowbell for that. Partial cowbell? <laughs> Because the one point two percent I'm thinking of is different. Oh, oh, that wasn't the one you were thinking of. The one, the mo, the more important one, I would say. Is... Does it have something to do with pending sales? That's the other. Big... Nope. No. No. And, and I'm sorry, you, this one is not related to house prices. It is. It is. It, it's. No, oh. it's related to housing, but not prices. Not house prices. It's. It is something... a release that came out this past week. Yes, but it's a private company. It's not a government source. Ooh. Oh goodness. It, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, is it a Fannie Mae, one of those wacky no, Fannie Mae surveys no. you always dredge up? <laughs> no, no. Okay. It's another one I'm dredging up that you need to pay attention to. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, is it like a Black Knight survey? CoreLogic no. survey? Nope. No. Um, is it a government survey? It is not. No, no. You said, I'm sorry. You said it was a private sector survey. Is it a Moosey Analytics survey? No, it's not. <laughs> that would is be it, bad. Not. Is it construction related? Nope. It's another price. Oh, okay. Well, it's arguably the more lumber prices are down 1.2%. No, no. no. okay. I'll put you out of your misery. Okay, go ahead. It is uh, the year over year change in rents. This is from apartment list. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting, right? Because arguably this is the more important number to watch. That's really important. Yeah. So oh, can you percent. I, I don't know that data well. Can you just give us a sense of that data, the apartment? Yeah, it's apartmentlist.com. So it's a uh, one of the numerous services that uh, posts apartments uh, online, and they have an index uh, of apartment prices, the rents, right? So asking rents. And uh, based on their index, the prices are down 1.2% nationally, right? And that's a far cry. They, would, they had been up as much as 18% uh, year over year back in 2021, 22. So things are certainly coming around. And this arguably is a leading indicator for the uh, housing shelter component in the uh, in the CPI or in the PCE uh, inflation indices that the Fed is watching. So this, this continues to suggest that the script is here for 
housing inflation to um, to deflate uh, going forward. And you may have said this, and I missed it. Is it yeah. July to July, July twenty two to twenty three? Yes, that's right. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's August. It's August. It is August. Oh, okay. Yeah. And can you tell sequentially, month to month, is it is it stable down? What's happening? It's down. Right? It's down on the yeah. month. Uh, Maybe you can send out. I love this. Can you send me the link too? Because sure. like, yeah, I will. Down point one percent on the month. Okay. And when you, do they give you any across you know different markets? Are they do they show you any? They do. They have actually a lot of detail in this report. So, okay. So can do you have any sense of where the prices are, where rents are down most? Are they down uh, are they soft everywhere? I guess in the Northeast, based on my experience with my children's rent, it's not down a whole lot. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah a little bit more in the West. Um, more in the West. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in uh, some of the hotter markets, if you will. So, if I look over the past twelve months, it's Austin, Las Vegas, Portland, Phoenix, San Francisco, Seattle, are at the top of the list. Right. So some of the some of these were markets that were particularly hot. Right. So not not terribly surprising that they're giving back some of those gains. Uh, right. Right. But you know the national number is down. So it pretty much across the board, but you're right. Nor, uh, I think New York isn't quite as soft as other areas. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably even Philly and DC, but um, okay. Well that given the lags between rents, market rents, which is what we're talking about here. Yep. And when that shows up in the CPI for housing, the, the next six, 12 months, we should see some pretty meaningful weakness in that measure. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's a good leading indicator you want to keep an eye on to understand where the CPI is eventually going to head. Yeah. Okay. And that's a third of the, uh, over a third of the overall consumer price index. That's Less right. than expenditure, consumer expenditure, like 15% of the consumer expenditure of later, but but, right. but still, you know, very significant. Okay. That was a good one. That was really good. Uh, yeah. We should, I, I need to follow that more regularly. Um, uh, uh, here's my statistic. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. 83.3. That's uh, Marissa's favorite radio station. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. More of the uh, NPR. <laughs> On <crowd>. your AM <laughs> dial. On the AM dial. Yeah. No, no. What kind um, of music do you listen to? What's your favorite group? This is very going to be very revealing because she'll probably say, I'm not going to tell you now. But what's your favorite alt, favorite group right now? It's, I'm going to go around. I'm going to ask everybody this. Oh, question. really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so curious now that I asked this question. Yeah. Um, Pearl Jam has been my favorite band since I was 14. Still Pearl Jam? Yeah. I've been to like Pearl? 20 Pearl Jam oh, shows. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. You're shocked? Shocking? Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Really? You would no. not. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, now we've got to ask him, what would you have guessed, Chris? Yeah, what would you <laughs> <laughs> Sort of stereotyping what you're doing, Chris. Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Um, I don't know what I would have guessed, but it wouldn't have been Pearl Jam. Hmm. Okay, what's your favorite, Chris? Uh, Well, my favorite song? No, of favorite all time. Group. Favorite group. Uh, maybe the group. It has to be the group as well. Okay, so, give me the favorite song. It's of uh, Toto, Africa. I like Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now you're shocked. Now you're shocked. <laughs> Are you? You know, Toto isn't your favorite group, but Africa is your favorite song. Yes. 
Why is that? From, uh, you know, I guess like Marissa from very yeah. young age. Young age. Yeah. That's very good. Dante? I, I don't know that I have a favorite. I'd probably say Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, they're great. Yeah. I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're kind of Pearl Jam-esque, aren't they? Same era. Same yeah. era. Yeah. And they're still making music, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. All right. I got. You want to know mine? Yeah. Yours is Guns N' Roses. We already know this. No, no, no. Guns no, Roses. Mark just discovered them like a year ago. I just ago. discovered them and I blew through them very quickly. Yeah, they were they were okay. They were, I liked a few of the songs. Yeah. They're good when you're in the gym. They're good, there you go. good, good in the gym. When you're pumping iron. Or like <laughs> when you're a 63-year-old man pumping iron. Yeah, so. Uh, no, I like the Revivalists. You know the Revivalists? Oh, if you haven't heard the Revivalists, they are. Do you guys know the Revivalists? I don't. You don't know the revivalists? No. Oh my gosh. It's going to be earth shattering for you when you listen to these. <laughs> this is your favorite band of all time. Well, no, no, no. I said not even time. Oh. I said my current favorite because my blow. Oh, okay. okay. I blow oh. music so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm always hunting. You guys are useless because you're giving me all this stuff from the Pat Tortoto Africa. <laughs> Doesn't do me any good. Yeah. All right. But uh, get a sharp race in there. Yeah. All right. We digress. Back to 83.3. 83.3. 83. Is that a employment population ratio of a specific group? It's in the genre, but it's not an employment to population ratio. Is it a participation participation rate? rate? Yes, it is. Prime age? Crime age participation rate. Yeah. Very good. That's what it is. Yeah. 83.3. Yeah, I just bring this up in the context of labor force growth. I mean, that jump in participation, participation, and I, I, you know, I didn't look at all of the ages and demographic uh, cuts that is available, but pretty much everything is back to pre-pandemic, and then some, except just the one, the over sixty-five year old, uh, um, is still depressed, and I don't think that's ever coming back. I think you know that's just not going to happen. My guess is because. Uh, unless the economy goes really south and people can't afford to stay retired and they come back into the labor force. But it feels like, you know, that we're not going to get that participation rate back up, that people that have retired feel pretty good about their financial situation and retirement and they're, we're not going to get a bounce there. So, uh, but all the other participation rates are, are you know, fully recovered back, you know, everybody's working, you know, you know, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, you know the labor supply has been very strong, and just adding to the to the um, uh, to that uh, story, if you look at la- the other number, I was going to say was three point one million. Do you know what three point one million is? Consistent, same, same, uh, uh, same uh, part of the labor market. Is it the gap in? Is it missing labor force participants or something? No. It's the year-over-year year gro- uh, change in the labor force. The labor force has increased by 3.1 okay. million people. So divide by 12, you know, that gives you average monthly labor force growth. That's a lot of labor force growth. That's yeah. a lot of labor force growth. So labor supply is really good. People are, you know, back to work. Um, okay. Uh, that was, uh, I thought was very instructive, particularly the part about uh, – Everyone's oh, favorite. Man. I thought that was very, you know, instructive. Uh, but let's um, let's end the conversation like we've typically done here over the past year or so. 
probabilities of recession in the coming year? What is the, the probability that the economy will enter into a recession at some point between now and this time uh, next year, as defined by the National Bureau of Economic Research? So uh, uh, let me begin with you, Marissa. What's what's your probability? I think you were at one third, weren't you? I'm, I'm still at a third. Still a third. No change yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. What, what? And I think I'm sure I've just asked this before, but what would change your mind? What needs to happen to get you down below one third? I think a not soft landing in the job market evidence that this is going sharply into negative territory. No, um, what would make you lower the probability? Oh, lower the probability. Yeah. Um. What What could, I mean, it's not like this part, at this point, it feels like the bar is really high for you to lower your probability to a significant degree. So I think a few more months of inflation coming in and the job market sort of staying roughly where it is okay. may make me lower my probability. Okay. Okay. All right, Dante? I think I'm. I think last time I said 35, and I'm. I'm still there. My feelings haven't really changed. Um, okay. Your bar is high too. What 35. Would you yeah, I think if we can get a clear sense that the Fed is done, yeah, you know, I, I think it's closer to that. You know, sort of signal that they're probably done, but it's still not a certain. You know, I still think there's some chance that we get one more rate hike here before the end of the year, and I think, I think that would be bad. Um, so I think if we get a clear sense that we're finished with rate hikes. Yeah, I think that would probably make me come down a little bit. Okay. So you're still at 35. Yeah. Versus at one third, you're at 35%. Basically the same thing. Okay, Chris, what do, what do you say? You're at 45? You were well, at 45. I'm going to lower that to 42. Oh. 40. Ooh. <laughs> really? Big moves happening here on Instagram. Yeah. That's a little, uh, 42 is a little Easter egg for uh, listeners there. Meaning yeah, of life. Yeah, 42. Very good. Okay. Uh, and that the today's numbers push you from 45 to 42, or was it a preponderance of things? Today's number, the revisions again, the, uh, the re- the weaker the, uh, numbers there make mm-hmm. me believe that the Fed may in fact be done, may not mm-hmm. make a mistake, but, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, yeah still that, lots to be worried about. So that's your number one concern that the Fed just overdoes it here. Yeah. 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 They're in the fog, right? They're, They're in the fog. We're looking at all these data revisions. Clearly, we might get some data that they react to that isn't real. So, Yeah. Okay. And I think I was at 35%, wasn't I? Or around yes, 30, I think 35. so. Yeah. I'm going to 30. I'm going down to 30 with the, you know, a little down arrow, you know, the, like the rating agencies, it's on, it's on watch in, you know, mm. uh, for a lower uh, probability. Um, it just, but negative watch is a good thing here. I guess. Yeah, negative watch is a good thing here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can make up whatever I want here, right? Because this is this is my indicator, not. Yeah. You know, right? Yes, we are not the rating agency. We're not the rating agency. I'll make that very clear. <laughs> very good. Uh, so yeah, so I'm at thirty uh, with a uh, tilt toward something lower than that. It feels. Feels pretty good to me. I'll have to say the thing that now really worries me, and I look at it five times a day, is the price of oil. I just, ah, just makes me so nervous. Yeah, because that that thing is so important. Uh, we talked about that at the last podcast, but I think that's a really a important thing to watch. Uh, very difficult to gauge. Okay, uh, price of oil or price of gas? 
Oh uh, yeah, you're right. It's really the price of gas, but I focus, you know, I just look at price of oil because that leads the price of gas. Uh, yeah. Of course, there's. It's been seen to disconnect recently. Are you, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, the crack spreads. I guess that's a, that's the margin that the refiners are getting uh, a little bit wider. And now we're in the middle of hurricane season, so that's exactly something to watch. Yeah, so I really worry about that. Um, okay, uh, anything else we want to mention? Oh, we do want to make a plug for the uh, business competence survey. Um, Chris, you want to make that plug? You're better at advertising than I am. You think so? I think we. <laughs> I think we've uh, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but we do have a survey of business confidence um, that's free for everyone to participate uh, in, uh, and we're it's a long-standing survey. I think twenty-five years, Mark. Is that it was right? Two thousand and three. I can remember actually the first okay time we did it. Yeah, it was, it's actually I find it a very useful survey. We'll we'll have to talk about that a little bit more. What's you know why I find it so useful? But it's a weekly survey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So unique uh, from that perspective. So 20 years. If you go to economy.com, you'll find a link uh, to the survey. And the benefit to you is that if you fill out the survey, you'll get the results. You'll be able to compare and see what the uh, business mood is each week. And then we do plan to have exclusive uh, webinars where you can ask Mark Sandy anything you'd like. Ooh. From the, what the team. state of the economy is to his favorite musical tastes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be a lot of fun. You know, I think absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but you have to participate to get the invitation. Have to participate. Yeah, you have to participate. Okay, very good. Anything else, Dante? No, I'm going to fill out the survey now so I can ask you questions. So, yeah. uh, so I have homework now, to do. Oh, now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, Marissa, anything? No. Chris, anything more? I've said enough. Okay. I think going, going. <laughs> gone. Okay. Well, dear, dear listener, thank you for uh, listening in this month or this week, I should say. And um, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Uh, take care now, everyone. <laughs>